Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Glad you're with me on this Sunday morning. Hope you've had a good week and you're ready to settle in and just get into some things. We're going to get into some things this morning that maybe some of you have never heard. Uh, some of you may have heard a little about it, but I can almost assure you that not many of us, if any of us, have ever heard emphasize what I'm going to be teaching on this morning. I want to start in Acts chapter 3, verse 20, 21. If I were to put a title on the message this morning, I would call it simply the Father's Bullseye. <laughs> Father's Bullseye. This is the very center of the target of what I think that God is doing in the earth today. This is this is current stuff. This is what's this is late-breaking news. And because we haven't heard a lot about it, I'm going to talk a lot about this in the weeks to come. Because all of the all the preparation that you've had in life, everything that you have come through has brought you up to a place right now where the Father is saying, here's the bullseye, here's the program, here's what this is all about. So let's begin over in Acts chapter 3, verse 20 and verse 21. It says this, And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. Now the coming of Jesus, I don't think is a necessarily... And I'm, re I'm ready for it if I'm wrong. I don't think it's a, a visible, physical, bodily return of Jesus Christ. I think Jesus has returned in each of us. And I think as the expression of Christ as his body operating in, in uh, sonship that we will accomplish. He will accomplish as us everything that needs to be accomplished on the planet. Now here's what's going to be accomplished. And this is why I think this is right up to date with everything that he's doing in our life today. All the preparation, all of the pushback, opposition, maybe difficult things that you've come through in life that you said, I just don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on. What's the purpose of this? Here's the purpose. He's molding you. He's making you because you're an absolute representative. You are, are and I use this word lightly, you're an extension of of the Christ in the earth. It's no longer you who live, it's Christ that lives in you. In the life that you live now, you live by the faith of the Son of God. So your life is intertwined with his life. It's an absolute life of union. Verse 21, here's the purpose. Whom heaven must receive until the times, watch this, until the times of restoration of all things. That's the Father's bullseye. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is the restoration of all things. Then he finishes the verse by saying, not only is it the restoration of all things, he, he doesn't leave that open to our imagination. He says, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since, and this is such an important part, since the world began. So every prophet that existed since the world began, Moses being the first, those things which the prophets spoke are going to come to fruition. They're going to come, um, they're going to come, it's going to come first full circle. What is it? Le uh, Hebrews 11.36 says that everything starts from God, goes through God, and returns back to God. It's just, it's a, it's a circular motion. It's not linear. It starts with him, goes through him, and eventually returns to him. So what we're talking about this morning is actually the antithesis of the rapture. The rapture, I ruptured the rapture in the 90s, got so much pushback because at that time, the rapture was such an accepted doctrine among evangelicals, charismatic, full gospel people, word of faith people, Church of Nazarene, Baptists, whatever you were, the rapture was just an accepted doctrine. But basically the rapture is not that hard to totally dismantle, first of all, because it's not scriptural. 
It originated with a young girl about 150 years ago that had a vision, and then out of the vision, people rustled around to try to find scripture that fit the vision. Then Schofield, some of you may have had a Schofield Bible. Schofield, in his notes, uh, pushed this idea, the theory of a rapture. And the Schofield Bible became the Bible among fundamentalists, especially Baptists. Uh, that was the Bible. And the notes, they looked at the notes as being as, as inerrant as they thought the scripture was. So it just became an accepted doctrine. What we're talking about this morning is the ac actual opposite of the rapture. It's the restoration of all things. Now, the difference is we've got a lot, of, a lot of evidence of this, just empirical evidence. You can see what's going on in the earth today, this move of God that is going all over the planet. Uh, it's a restoration of grace, of unconditional love, of inclusion, mercy that endures forever, the absolute fatherhood of God. It's being restored back into the people of God. So let, let's just forget the rapture. Um, you're not going anywhere. Jesus prayed, I don't pray you take them out of the world. I pray that you keep them from the evil, right? So Jesus, Jesus never prayed that we could be able to hook them out of here at the very last second, just as we're being sucked down the drain and we'd be raptured out of here to miss all of the tough stuff during that, that tribulation period that all of us were so well schooled in. Now, there, these are a couple of verses. Acts chapter 3, verse 20, 21 are a couple of verses that have not been taught a lot that have not been emphasized, you're going to start seeing it more and more. This is, this is late breaking news. This, this teaching I'm giving you this morning, and we're going to hit on it a lot this year, is really late breaking news because it's, it's as current as the newspaper today. This is what God is doing. This is his bullseye. And these two verses are such a, a tremendous insight into the Father's long-term plan for this planet, the restoration of all things that were spoken of by the prophets since the world began. Now the things that we see being restored back into the body of Christ, uh, grace, unconditional love, as I mentioned just a minute ago, the fatherhood of God, inclusion, mercy that endures forever. Those are the tools of restoration. Th those are the tools that are in our bag that we should be able to pull out at any time and apply and minister and help people to understand, to fully understand. Those are the tools of restoration. And what we're going to be doing here at the Digital Cathedral, because it's part of a worldwide move, we're going to keep taking those four, five, six tools, and we're going to keep taking them down one level after another level after another level. We're going to keep, like an onion, we're just going to peel one layer after another layer, and we're going to explore the depths of these tools so that we can become really good at using them. We, we got to be able to go a lot of different ways with grace. You should have several definitions. And if you're still back there on its unmerited favor, you need to update your understanding of grace. And if you watch the Digital Cathedral, as time goes along, we give a lot of different slants and views on what grace is or the fatherhood of God. You need to become really, really entrenched in these things because this, this is what you're going to utilize. You, you've been selected. You've been appointed. You've been anointed. I've told you that. You're a reformer. You're a world changer. And you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so I, I want to help you. And my call here at the Digital Cathedral is to, is to perfect you. It's to bring you to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And it's a little bit difficult sometimes. I realize that. It can be hard, but we can absolutely do it. So these five tools, the, the, the grace, the unconditional love, the fatherhood of God, inclusion, mercy that endures forever, these begin to come into one stream that becomes a river. A few years ago, they were just a trickle. 
then it became a little bit of a, a stream. But now it, I'm telling you what, it's a raging river and it's, it's developing into a tsunami that is just clearing everything out of its path as it comes into the lives of people. So the restoration of all things was the work of Jesus through um, our co-crucifixion. Co we accomplished it with him through, through the, let me just first make it on him. Through his crucifixion, uh, resurrection, and ascension, he finished the work on the restoration of all things. So you were there with him. Right? You were crucified with Christ, resurrected with Christ, ascended with Christ. So you were involved in the work of restoration from the very get-go. It, it was objectively done at the cross. It was finalized. It is finished. And part of it is finished is much more than just forgiving you or saving you or delivering you. Part of it is finished is the totality of the program of God that is spoken of in, in uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 20, 21. Objectively, everything has already been restored. Now, subjectively, it's being worked out in the earth um, um, like leaven in a lump. I, I, I just was trying to think, is it three, three measures, four measures? I'm not sure. But the kingdom is like leaven in a lump. Three measures, four measures, I can't remember. And that leaven will eventually, this, this kingdom message of which restoration is, is the heartbeat of, is going to spread through the entire lump. So let me, let me just give you a couple uh, scriptures on this. I always like to be legal. always like you to see scriptural background for everything that we're doing because I don't want you to believe me. Don't take this as actual fact just because I'm saying it. You need to find it for yourself. You need to believe it for yourself. I don't want anybody ever saying, well, you know, Keith Lee over at the Digital Cathedral says this, therefore we believe it. No, you need your own beliefs. You need to iron these things out in your own thinking through your own time of meditation and contemplation. But let me show you the objective and subjective working out of the restoration of all things. I think, I think Hebrews chapter 10 does a good job on that. So let, let me read just a couple of verses out of Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm just going to read verses... Uh, 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12. Here's the objective. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Objectively done. Sin is, is, is every place where we have missed our, our full identity. I mean, sin really is mistaken identity. And out of that mistaken identity, people's behavior becomes crazy. When you don't know who you are, you have no idea, it's not settled into you that you're better than that, that you're above that. You act, you act in ways that are, are contrary to who you are. Remember, your identity is not what you do. Your identity is who you be. And so he has forgiven objectively. He has set you back in right position. That's objective. Now watch the subject, the subjective working out of it. From that time waiting, until his enemies are made his footstool. Right now on the earth, that's the subjective working out of what we see going on in your life and in my life. Subjectively, we're learning our identity, we're learning grace, we're learning inclusion, all the tools that are in our tool bag, we're perfecting so that we can bring every enemy that has objectively been defeated, we can subjectively bring those enemies under his feet, 
right? And the feet's in the body. Feet's in the body. You're, the, you're in the body. So he's talking about what the, what the accomplishment or what the fulfillment, the fruition of what you and I are actually going to see take place. And so this increasing wave of awakening that we see coming across the earth, people's eyes are opening, they're coming out of church, they're saying, wait a minute, we're questioning things. This has never seemed right. I've always had doubts. Spirit of truth is opening eyes and revealing it to us. You're on the, the breaking wave of this. So let me just say it again. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. There's a lot of shaking going on in the earth. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of shifting that's going on and, and making transitions. We're making a trans. This is a seasonal transition. I think you sense that. This is a seasonal transition from some old things to some new things. And what's holding us firm, you and I firm, in this shaking, in this transition, in this shift, is the foundation that we have discovered of our original identity, the original design that the Father intended for us from the very get-go. We are image and likeness of God. We are, our, our identity is divinity. He has breathed into us the breath of life, His very essence, the very source of His being. He has placed within us. So let me, let me read, let me just read you another verse because I think this again gives us a little slant into exactly what's, what's going on. I hope you don't mind that I do a lot of teaching on how things are shaking out today, the things that are going on in the earth today as it applies to your life. I always want what I do at the Digital Cathedral, first of all, I want it to be very practical. And second of all, I want you to be able to work it out in your life. I want you to see it already beginning to brew so that you have an understanding of what the Father's doing and you don't resist it. We don't resist it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him are all things holding together. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's exactly what Paul said in Ephesians 1, 4, that oft-quoted scripture at the Digital Cathedral, that you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. That's exactly what, what Paul now is telling the, Col the Colossian Christians. Before and, and he is before all things, and in him, you, all things are held together. That's original design. That was original intent. And verse 18, verse 18 now says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Absolutely. We can never, we can never replace Jesus. He's the head of the body. He has the preeminence. He's the firstborn. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in Jesus all fullness should dwell, and by him, by Jesus, to reconcile, this is the restoration, here comes the restoration, to reconcile all things, not just people, not just people. Creation needs to be restored. Man had a, had a connection with creation in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, the first two, three chapters, when he, when God did all of the creating, all the working, setting man in the garden, told us to subdue it, put it in subjection to us, there was a, a connection that man had to all of creation that we've lost. But in the restoration of all things, I mean, you know, I have a pet cat. I have a pet cat. That cat doesn't obey what I tell it to do. I don't have any dominion or authority over that cat. That cat's got a mind of its own. And when it wants to do something, it does it. 
That's going to change. That cat is to be in submission to me. He's That cat is a lesser order of creation than I am. And yet that cat is rebellious. It's independent. It does its own thing. And it wants to be fed when it wants to be fed. It wants to sleep when it wants to sleep. It doesn't want to come. It doesn't want to do. It cat does absolutely nothing to benefit me except hang out. Right? That's just a real simple example of what's got to be restored. Lions shouldn't be eating people. Sharks shouldn't be attacking people at the beach. Those things need to be brought into submission, and that's what's happening. But we're, see, it's, it's so progressive. We're learning our identity. Uh, uh, we're learning who we are, and we're learning this, the objective and the subjective side of this so we understand exactly what he's, what he's working out in our life. So that's a great picture right there. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 17, 18, 19, and 20, that's a great picture of the original design to which we have been fully restored objectively. And now you and I are, are subjectively, we're awakening, our eyes are opening, we're growing in this. What a journey, what a trip, man. I never, I, I had no clue. I've had no idea that things could get this, this much fun in the kingdom. It's fun watching God bring us into a place that he fully designed for us to be without us sweating it, without us pushing, without us trying to make it happen. So this, this shaking that's going on right now, I mean, religion is being shaken, denominations are being shaken, they don't know what to do, they've tried the, the fog machines, they've tried the light shows, they've tried the 30-minute message, they've tried, you know, they've tried all of these gimmicks, and nothing is working, it's shaking. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. So here's what the shaking's doing. It's taking the Father's heart and it's aligning it with a manifestation of the sons of God. And when the Father's heart, and we're finally at a place, all right, we got identity, we're, we've, we've, we've got the tools in our tool bag. When we finally come to a place where we are in perfect alignment as manifesting sons and daughters, in alignment with the heart of the Father, we will see the subjective fulfillment of what Jesus objectively said, it is finished. And what we, what we objectively saw in that, in that 10th chapter of Hebrews that I just read to you, that he is seated, he's waiting. He's not standing up, he's not actively involved in this. He's seated at the right hand of God, waiting. He's waiting until his enemies become his footstool. Objectively, they're defeated. Subjectively, now we're working that out. All right, let's, let's look over here at Colossians 1.10 because this is the awakening and this is what we're going to see. Colossians chapter 1. Man, this is good stuff. Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Forgive me if I'm a little bit excited today because this is in my wheelhouse, brother. This is, this is where I live. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. All right, here's, here's the awakening. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. I trust that the time you spend here at the Digital Cathedral, that you are increasing in the knowledge of God. Every week, I hope we do something that increases that knowledge. Here's why. So that we would be strengthened with all might. Here's what it's gonna look like. He's gonna look like people strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. So he's saying as, you, as the knowledge of him increases, then what's gonna increase in our life, that verse 11, is that we're gonna be strengthened with all might. This stuff is being restored. 
and that our, our verse 11, that our patience, our long-suffering, and our joy is going to explode. This stuff is coming out of us. It's going to become evidence to the world. And it's, it's, it's going to appear like this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Jesus has been given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus. Here's how it's going to look. Here's the restoration. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven, earth, and under the earth. Okay? Now, let me say this. I used to have a vision of this. I used to just like see this a field as far as I could see with people. And at the name of Jesus, Spirit of God corrected me on that. He said, no, it's progressive. It happens here a little, there a little. It's a, it's a progressive happening. It will happen, but it's not going to be all at one time. Paul said that each man in his order will come. There's some right now that don't understand because it's not their time. You could preach till you're blue in the face, teach truth till, till the cows come home. They're not going to get it because it's not their time. So we're seeing this. We're seeing this old order of religion and all the tyranny that it brought. The fear of hell, fear of judgment, um, missing the rapture, being left behind. Jesus coming back on this white horse with a tattoo on his hip and a big sword, slaying the millions of people that resisted the gospel. That's, that's all, that's, that's leaving. That's not, it's being replaced. It's being replaced by freedom. It's being replaced by sons of light that are shining the light within them on all that horse manure, on all that baloney, on all that BS that we have held on to, that we were fed, that we were, that we were so indoctrinated in. The light of who you be, not what you do, the light of who you be, your identity, is exposing. It's exposing darkness and it's freeing creation and you and I are doing it as we rest in Him. It's just a natural outworking. If I had to tell you to do anything today, I would just say rest. You don't have to feel like you have to accomplish. The natural outworking of your life is going to bring the restoration of all things. Now let me give you a preview of coming attractions. And it doesn't include the rapture, doesn't include uh, Jesus showing up in the clouds, uh, you know, 68 stories tall, doesn't include that. Let me show you how this is going to shake out. And this is, this is plain, but I want you to get it. And you may want to um, meditate, concentrate on this a little bit. First Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read it first out of the New King James. And then I want to read it for you out of the Passion Translation because it really says it so clearly. But let me read it out of the King, New King James just so you know I'm not adding a bunch of stuff here. All right, here's how it's going to shake out. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 24. I'll just read to verse 28. The whole, there's more to this, but let me just give you the heart. Then comes the end. You want to know when the end's coming? Here it is. When he delivers the kingdom to God, the fully restored kingdom, what we read in uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 20, 21, the restoration of all things. He delivers the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he puts down all rule, all authority, and all power. We read that from Hebrews. He seated until all his enemies are under his feet. Here it is. Here it is. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Says the same thing in Hebrews. Here's in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let this be established. You're not raptured out of here for this. 
You're here for this. This is something that mankind will see. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. I firmly believe with all my heart that there's a generation going to walk on the earth that do not die a physical death, that they will, they will be so filled with the glory of God that the, that the, that the line between um, um, the visible and the invisible be so thick, will, there will be no more, there will be no separation, no partition. It was ripped when the temple, uh, the veil was ripped when Jesus died. Uh, so God's out of the box, but there's still this thing we're dealing with. And it, the, that, that veil's getting thinner. I may say a word about that in just a minute. Last enemy to be destroyed is death. For, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he's accepted who put all things under his feet. So Jesus is not under the feet, right? Now, here's what happens. Here's, here's what's going to happen. Here's where it's going to shake down. And when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Man, that's a beautiful ending. That's a powerful ending. Let, let me read that for you out of the, out of the, out of the Passion Translation. When the final stage of completion comes, when he will bring to an end every other rulership, authority, and power, and he will hand over the kingdom to the Father God. Until then, he's destined to reign as king until all hostility has been subdued and placed under his feet. That's the outworking, you guys. That's the, that's the subjective happening of what has objectively already taken place with it is finished. You and I as joint heirs, you and I as the body of Christ are bringing this to pass. The last enemy to be subject and eliminated is death itself. The Father has placed all things in subjection under the feet of Christ, yet when it says all things, it is understood that the Father does not include himself, for he is the one who placed all things in subjection to Christ. However, when everything is subdued, and in submission to him, then the Son himself will be subject to the Father who put all things under his feet. That is so that the Father will be everything to everyone. I don't know how you can read the Bible without including everybody. It it's totally escapes my mind how we went so many years and only had a them and us. If you prayed the magic prayer, if you were obedient, did all this hoop jumping. He says, this is the way it's going to break down. There's no rapture. That's not a second coming, fleshly coming of Jesus. This is an outworking of the body of Christ. It is a restoration of all things, a subduing of, of subjectively of all the enemies that were objectively defeated at the cross. Satan was defeated at the cross, but he's running around crazy today. Whatever, whatever you think he is, if you think it's a carnal mindset or the guy in red suit, I don't care what it is. There is... There is an influence in the world today that we need to subjectively subdue to the degree it was objectively defeated at the cross. You still with me this morning? This, this, is, this is powerful stuff. So he's telling us exactly what the end is going to look like. It's no big mystery. So there's going to be one thing that God uses to do this, and that's going to be love. That's the only weapon he has is love. Love never fails. Love overcomes. Love wins at the end of the day. Love is going to bring us. See, love, the manifestation of love is grace. The, the character of the Father. What comes out of love is, is grace, inclusion. It's, it's 
It's all the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace. Nothing can stand against that love. We were wired in such a way that at some point in time, when the love dial is turned strong enough and the revelation of unconditional love is heavy enough, we're wired in such a way that we will be in tune to it. Every man will see it. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess, Jesus is Lord. So, so here's what's coming down. Get ready for it. That old evangelical system is being removed. And multitudes are seeing the light from within themselves and they're beginning to shine. They're coming out. They're coming out. They're going to continue to come out. Two things are bringing this about. Two things. Two things are making this happen. This is why church attendance is dwindling. People are not being scratched where they're itched and where they have an itch in church anymore. So they're coming out. They're done with it. They've had it. They're done being manipulated, abused, robbed of their money. Not because they willfully give it. I mean, I'm all about willful giving. There are ministries and places I support. But not because they send me 84 letters and beg and plead and put a guilt trip on me. It's because I'm a giver. Because my father is a giver. Right? So there's two things that's going on. First of all, we're beginning to trust the spirit that is within us. We're beginning to trust what we see by the spirit, what we sense by the spirit, what we feel, what we, what we understand. And that's having a global impact as we begin to see and to think globally. When I do the digital cathedral anymore, I don't just think Houston, Texas. This is much bigger than that. I don't think Texas. In fact, I don't even think the United States of America anymore. I think of what, what is the world looking for? What is the world searching for right now? What is it that the Father is saying, not just to Houston or Texas or America, but the entire world? He's saying the same thing to all of us, but sometimes it's in a little bit different shape, a little bit different form. And so I'm trusting what I'm hearing. And the second thing is this. We're trusting, first of all, what we're seeing now by the Spirit. We're learning to be led by the Spirit, hear that still small voice. We're learning to rely on it, trust in it, rest in it. And the second thing, this is so powerful. I never thought I'd see this. It's the end of competition and the beginning of cooperation. That's what's going on. And when we stop the competitiveness within the body of Christ, one church pitted against another, all the transferring of members from one church to another, it's not church growth, it's just trading members. When there's no more competition, no more competition, there's cooperation. You know, I got some guys I run with, some, some good friends of mine, Steve McVeigh, Malcolm Smith, <clears throat> which by the way, we're gonna be doing a Zoom conference in August. I, this is gonna be so good. Uh, Malcolm, Steve, and I are gonna do a couple of day conference that I, you'll hear a lot more about as we get into June and July. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you more about it. I don't have any competition with those guys. I, I, I cooperate with them. Steve has a little bit different message. Malcolm has a little bit different message than what I do. And yet the three of us come into one stream. It's just from a different approach. We're not competitive. We cheer one another on. We message one another. I hear from those guys a lot. Malcolm comes up to Houston. We have lunch together. I communicate with Steve. We smoke cigars together. We have a great time. There's no competition. You know why? Because because we're, we're cooperating. So the competition automatically goes. And what that does, that then brings a restoration. It adds my strength to their strength, their strength to my strength. We're able to, to awaken in the kingdom. I say expand the kingdom, but you can't expand the kingdom. It's already here, it's within us. It's an awakening, it's a, it's a, it's a perception, it's a full, more full understanding. 
And so as we work together on this and not in competition, I'm trying to get his people. He's not trying to get my, the people that are at the digital cathedral. In fact, there's a lot of cross pollinization. Some of you here are part of Steve's quantum life group. Some of you here watch, watch uh, Malcolm Smith's uh, unconditional love webinars every week. It, it arises from out of the kingdom understanding. It arises from a, a kingdom awakening that, that manifests um, that will produce this profound power of restoration. And I think when we do this conference in August, it's going to be August 19 and 20, that there's going to be some restoration take place. There's going to be some things. I mean, you got three old guys here. We've got 200 years of ministry between us and we're going to share wisdom. We're going to come as fathers in the faith and share to you about the journey. So as the new replaces the old, what can be accomplished by a few that are in this flow is going to be explosive. And you're part of the few that's going to be explosive and it's going to continue to rise all over the planet. In, in fact, I like the way Isaiah 60 says this. Isaiah chapter 60, let me just read the first three verses. This, this could be, um, this could be the, a newspaper, we had a Christian newspaper, this could be the headlines because this is current right here. This is the restoration in full swing. Isaiah chapter 60. I'm just going to read the first three verses, but if you want to read Isaiah, you, you can read through most of that chapter. I'll tell you what, that's, this is restoration. Here's what he says. He says, Arise, shine, for your light is come. That light within you. Jesus is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. Every man has a Jesus light. It's dimmer in some, brighter in others. But that light is beginning to shine ever so strong. It's not a 20-watt bulb anymore. It's a spotlight. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Boy, isn't that true going on? All that stuff in Ukraine and wars and, and, and stuff. People are, wow. And deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise on you. I'm telling you prophetically this morning, the Lord is rising on you. Religion is diminishing and the Lord is arising. That's good news. That's the gospel. And his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light. They are attracted to what you have. They weren't attracted to, to that religion you were in. See, people have not rejected Jesus. There's not going to be anybody reject Jesus. What they've, what they've rejected is a perverted, twisted message that presented the gospel in a light that was absolutely heretical. It was another gospel, Paul called it, giving another Jesus. They didn't reject Jesus. They rejected the message in the messenger. Gentiles will come to your light, that Jesus light that's in you, and kings to the brightness of your coming, of your, of your rising. Kings to the brightness of your rising. Can you imagine kings calling you on the phone looking for counsel, looking for a word? Can you imagine what they will pay for that? What they will give in return? I, I, I'd love to read the rest, some more of this chapter, but I think you get the, get the gist right there. So here's, here's the deal. The key is going to be unity, not uniformity. Let me say that again. The key is going to be unity, not uniformity. There's never going to come time we all believe exactly the same thing. However, we will have a unity around, around the whole idea of restoration. The unity 
will be the power of love. That's going to be what fuels this thing. Some people are going to have a little bit different theology, a little bit different take on things. And it's because people have read the Bible for so long, they, they see it in 40,000 different ways. That's fine. What we're looking at is the unity which will produce a spirit that is opposite of what opposes and pushes against the unity. See, I've given up, I've given up theological debates. I, I, the desire to be right and somebody else wrong, I don't have that anymore. What I have a desire for is to say, come on, man, we need, we need to express love, we need to express unity, and how that flows from us, when that vibe, when that, when that vibration, when that frequency is emanating from us, our little theological petty differences are not going to matter. But what is going to be put aside is anything that would try to impede that unity. For example, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Here's some things that, that try to impede the unity. 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking. If I could reach in and pull that out of every pastor, every leader, every, every member of the body of Christ, if we would we'll lay aside malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, I'm telling you what, the unity would begin to surface and it would begin to arise. Let, let, me, let me just give you a couple more. These, see, these things, love overcomes these things. L love will totally torch this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And when that happens, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So as we rise and begin to shine, as Isaiah said, we're going to begin to see the essence, what's going to flow from us. When, when all this crap, this junk is put out of us, you're going to begin to see the essence of the light. You're going to see the, 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 the spirit emerge, uh, love emerge. And the evidence is going to be this. This is going to be so powerful. This is what's going to make this thing explode exponentially. You're going to see a merging of heaven and earth together. That's what Jesus prayed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You won't, this, it will be literally a heaven on earth. There will, be, there, will come, there will be a coming together of the seen and the unseen. The visible and the un, invisible. Now that, that, that barrier, that veil is getting thinner. It's getting thinner. And I, I'm going to tell you, I don't say much prophetically, but I'm going to tell you prophetically. There's coming a time, I don't know if it's going to be my generation, my grandkids' generation, there's going to be a time that we can flow, as Jesus did, as Paul did, between the seen and the unseen, as easily as walking from the living room into the dining room. It, those two, there'll be no veil, no separation in those two dimensions. And the evidence is going to be a merging of heaven and earth and an ease in moving back and forth. See, there's still that veil there. When I did the teaching on create, create it, your creator, I did, I think, six, seven weeks on that. I knew when I taught it that the hard part is going to be to break through the last of this little thin veil. It's, it's, skin, it's skin thin right now. But as we break through it, we learn how to create. We learn how to cooperate with what the Father is doing. 
Personal agendas are going to dissolve. I don't need to, I don't need to be in competition with anybody if I can be a creator. Personal agendas will dissolve and we will, we will become of one heart. Does that mean all our thinking is going to be the same? No, we're still going to have some differences in thinking, but the heart, the motivation, the thrust um, is going to go. The independence, that independent spirit that allows us to judge people. You're not like me, you're them. That independent spirit that makes us eat at the tree of duality, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where I, I know what's good and what you're doing is evil. That's going to disappear. And there's going to come a unity. What Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, I don't have time to read it all, but in verses 2, 9, 10, 18, John 14, 20, in that day you'll know that I'm in you and you're in me and the Father's in me and the I'm in the Father and you're in the Father and the Father's in me and you all tangled together. That is, you talk about a quantum entanglement. That's about as entangled as you can get. So you're carrying the frequency of sonship. You're carrying the frequency of restoration. That means the vibration that you're putting out just by your personality, by the way that you handle yourself, the way you converse with people, it, it, is, it is becoming evident. So you can target out of your spirit any obstacle, any hindrance to that restoration. Jesus said this, John chapter 13, verse 35. Jesus said this, by all men, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, because you have love one for another, right? It's not because of your correct theology or your belief system or your statement of faith or your nice building or your lack of a building or your, your you know, I, we could go on and on and on with stuff. He said, here's the key. Here's what's gonna awaken the world. Here's what will bring the restoration. Here's what will remove every obstacle, every hindrance that tries to stop love from winning. He said, when all men see that there's something that comes out of you, even if you have differing opinions, that you walk in solidarity as my disciples because of love. Now that's not a warfare. That's not you coming against unforgiveness. I bind that spirit of pride. I, I come against that bad attitude. See, that, that doesn't, that's not love. That's arrogance. That's trying to do something within your flesh. How about, how about if you love the person that has wronged you? How about instead of trying to cast the devil of unforgiveness out, you just make the enemy your friend? How, how about if a person that is prideful, you break that pride down by accepting them and loving them, understanding they are not what they do, they are who they be, and who they be is the same as who you be. A child, a son of God, image and likeness of the Father. So it's not warfare. That's what, what will empower us is the exercising of kingdom authority demonstrated in love and solidarity, showing itself with great unity. Great unity. That's what will empower you to operate in the opposite spirit and to kryptonite this stuff that tries to oppose the release of love. The Father's trying to release love into the planet today and he's having a hard time because we still got these obstacles that are stopping the restoration of all things. So as manifesting sons, you and I recognize it. We're getting sharp in his spirit. The Father's prepared you. He's continuing to prepare you for this huge shift both personally 
and globally. It's a huge shift. It's going on right now. And it's not going to be hard. It's not going to be difficult. You don't have to fear it. Don't get uptight. Don't get anxious. Um, he's prepared you for it. And can I just say you've already come through the hard stuff? The, the, he's prepared you to how to handle hard stuff. Paul said, I know how to be a base. I know how to abound. I know how to suffer need. I know how to have everything. When you face enough circumstances in life, circumstances don't move you anymore. We need to encourage one another. We need to evaluate everything in the light of this divine appointment that we have that will, that will unveil and will bring change and will bring restoration. Let, let me just say it again. You are a reformer. You are a reconciler. How many, how many times have we taught about the fact that you have the word? You have the ministry of reconciliation. It's your time to be a world shaper. Your time is here. Your time is present. People are prepared to change by the spirit, the landscape of our culture. They are prepared. The fruit is ripe. And you're a fruit picker. You need, you need to be very discerning when someone comes to you that is, that is searching, that is looking. You need to be prepared to, to guide them, to help them. Don't, don't send them over to me. Don't just say, well, you need, go read a book by Brad Jersak. Go look at a book by Steve McVeigh. Go check out some videos by Baxter Kruger. That's all fine and dandy. But he's prepared you to set them down. Look them in the eye. Have a cup of coffee and begin to nurture them in the journey that you have taken. Our world is insecure. It's filled with fear. They're looking for the thing. They may not know they're looking for it. They're looking for the very thing that you possess. They're looking for that degree of maturity that you have developed that will minister comfort to them. They want the freedom that you have. They, they, may, they may try to oppose it for a time, but they're really looking. They know something's wrong with the system. They've looked at it. They, they perceive it inside, but they're scared to let it go. They're scared to venture out because their whole security is around what they believe. It's not a relationship with the Father or with other believers. They don't have the security that they can, that they can explore and see what's going on. I go with Isaiah chapter 60. Your light is shining and it will draw people just by being yourself. That's all the Father ever asked you to do. Just be yourself. And as you are, you know what? You're going to bring people out of, out of wilderness. You're going to lead them out of Egypt. You're going to be able to show them how to walk as a son. You're going to show them how to wean off that tree of do-it-yourself, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree is so fruitless. It does not produce any kind of fruit. It's only this unconditional love that I am that I am is that has now been deposited into your life so that you can say, I am unconditional love. Everything I am that I am is and has, he's now placed within you. You're recognizing it. Um, it's still tough for people to say, I am a God. It's tough for, so it's a little easier, a little more palatable <laughs> to say everything that God is, he is now placed within you. Are, are you the big God with the G? No, do you, do you keep, do you run uh, uh, the universe? No, no. But he has given you a measure of rule, a metron, what Paul said, metron, measure of rule. He has given you a place to function within the kingdom. 
and where you function as him in the kingdom, you have every right of, of responsibility, every right of authority, of dominion, of power. Let's all, let's all begin this with us. Let's say I, I'm seeing it arise within myself. And, and, and let's never end the expression of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Let's be that instrument through which it folds. You're the door, you are the door opener through which people will walk. I'm trying to prepare you. Start a home group. Some of you are, are gonna have it on your heart. Start a home group, show the digital cathedral, and then discuss it. That's not hard to do. As people come to you that are looking and searching, start with two people. Start with you and one other person, just your family, whatever, and then just let it go from there. We have entered sonship. And you know what? That's not the end. He's preparing us now to be fathers and mothers in the kingdom. Paul said, I don't have many fathers. I got a lot of teachers, but not many fathers. He's taking you, the, the word is patier. Weos is mature son. He's moving you into being a patier, which in the Greek is father. Things are coming together, man. Things are flying together. Mindsets that have created separation are being swallowed up in the inclusiveness in a, in a father who has laid hold of every person on the planet. That separation is being swallowed up. Inclusion is swallowing it up. We've, we've passed the day, all right, We've passed the day of heated theological debate. <laughs> this old man has passed the day of trying to win an argument. And we've, we've entered in a sincere desire to remove barriers, to remove obstacles. See, I, I switch now. I used to, I used to get in, into it with people that didn't like grace, didn't like inclusion, said you had to do this, had to do that. I used to, but you know what I do now? I'm removing barriers from their mind, from their thinking hindrances that stop the unity. The uniformity may not ever be there, but the unity can be that carries the desire. The unity will carry the desire to see a fully restored creation. Amen? All right, I think that's good enough for this morning. That's a load full. Man, I put a lot into this. You need to go back and listen to it again. Share it on a group. Share it on your Facebook wall. Make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, and leave a comment. That would be great. That will help other people. See you Wednesday night. We'll talk a little bit more about this at, uh, at The Secret Place, I guess, unless we got some questions. We've kind of done something different right now at The Secret Place. I'm taking questions that people are commonly answering, and I'm trying to help you uh, overcome some objections or, or some things that even as a grace follower, you're still... You're still hung up on. You're still looking at the Bible and seeing verses that you think contradict or they're like they're the exception. So if we're not doing that, we'll go over some more of this on a little deeper level. But if not, it's all good. See, see you Wednesday night at the Secret Place, 7 o'clock Central on the Don Keithley Ministry page. If you haven't joined, come on over and join. It's a free place to express, to grow, to learn, and to share together. And we'll see you back next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Central, right here for the Digital Cathedral. God bless.